0: What's
1: up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You listen to the Pace Rules podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. A day after the last podcast dropped, and I said that TJ Warren was going to have the best season out of any pacer. He was announced to be missing at least the start of the season and a significant portion of the season. He announced it. The team announced it. Um, came from his personal account as well. We are all devastated to learn that. We then learned that Edmund Sumner had torn his Achilles and was out for the season. Alex, I'm going to start with you. This is the third season that we've done this podcast, and not to start it on a note full of pain, but this is the third season in a row that we've been going into the year with significant injury concerns and significant injury issues on this roster. It just kind of seems like Groundhog Day.
2: It's the same thing every single year, isn't it, man? We're so tired of it. And the funny thing is at this point, I just want to see what this Pacers team is. I don't even care if we're bad. Like we could win 30 games as long as we were fully healthy. I wouldn't care at the end of the day. Like at least then we will know. But every single season, what do we say? Oh, we go, oh, you know, if we were healthy, if we had this guy, if we had that guy, maybe things would be different it seems like it's going to be maybe the same story this year, which it just sucks, man. All we want to do is see, especially the core five, right? Levert, Brogdon, Warren, Sabonis, Turner. We want to see those five on the court. Um, But, but yeah, I'm devastated for Ed. We talked about it last episode. He's a guy who takes advantage of all these minutes, always plays well when he gets a chance. So I feel really bad for him. And he's coming off a career year as well. So, um, you know, uh, in... I guess light of that news it's probably good for Duarte who maybe gets those minutes now. Uh, so an opportunity for him to, to play a bigger
1: role. It's going to be my next question actually to you, Justin, which is who benefits the most on the roster in terms of opportunity with Sumner and with Warren missing extended time. I mean, my, my original thought was Duarte, but then you listen to Rick Carlisle's recent podcast with the sideline guys, friends of the show, Jeremiah Johnson, and Pat Boylan and Rick mentioned that one of the reasons they went so hard after Tory Craig in free agency was the impending absence of TJ Warren. So that tells me two things. Number one, they knew that TJ Warren was going to potentially be out for a significant period of time this season uh, months ago. And number two, that they value Tory Craig as a guy that can play those minutes as small four. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I really like the Tory Craig pickup. up. Um, I've always kind of rated him. He's obviously played in the NBL, as as us three know. Um, so we've kind of, of got here
1: for Brisbane one year.
0: Yeah, we got a good insight to him um, at a local level, which is always good when you see an NBL player make it to the paces. Um, obviously, he's not Australian, but yeah, it's still great. So yeah, I, I think he'll he'll play a lot of minutes there. Like you guys mentioned, Duarte being the big beneficiary his minutes will go up his shots but yeah geez i was thinking today like i don't know if we were still if we still had nate bjorker and we didn't have rick carlisle um my expectations for this season would be extremely extremely low really low um yeah yeah. My only saving grace is I think hopefully Carlisle can wave his magic wand. I'm not saying he's coach of the year or anything like that, but um, I'm just hoping he can utilize plays um, where Bjorkram couldn't. But yeah, I mean, as I sit here today, uh, two, uh, a week or so out of training camp, I, I'm finding it hard to
1: make a case to pay for Pacers to make the fi- uh, playoffs now. I think the... Um... The prevailing theory for me is that at the moment, as we sit here, they are a play-in team unless they take a risk on the roster. So that they—that so is the playoffs. Well, <laughs> according to the team, it's the playoffs. But I think they're they're somewhere around that seven to ten seed, and you you can't tell me that the, they're in that top six in the East based on performance, based on roster, um, you know, all of those factors together. They're just simply not one of the top six teams in the East right now. And it's difficult to envision how they become a top six team in the East. You know that they'll be professional. You know that Rick will build a, a good culture in the team this season. And if he doesn't like what he see, uh, what he sees from a particular player or players, then I think they'll look to make a move relatively early in the season but I think TJ Warren's absence opens up my man O'Shea Brissett's minutes um, particularly at small ball four he played a lot of that to end the season last year put up some good numbers obviously we didn't get the great result that we were looking for but I think as he matures and continues in the team that's a really good opportunity for him Justin Holiday, obviously probably steps into that starting lineup ahead of Tory Craig I would say um, so that's probably a clear change in the lineup in terms of having Holiday in for Warren. Uh, I don't know if you, you guys agree. Alex, we'll start with you. Is, is, is it going to be as simple as substituting Justin Holiday in the starting lineup for TJ Warren?
2: Mm, I don't know, Matt. For me, I feel like Justin always struggles when he's that fifth, fifth option on the starting lineup. He's way better, way more valuable coming off the bench. Mm. Um, and I think TJ McConnell needs him as well so to me you probably fit either O'Shea or Torrey Craig I think Torrey doesn't need any shots whatsoever on offense which probably benefits Levert and Brogdon and Sabonis Uh, he's also arguably the best perimeter defender if not the best perimeter defender on the team so uh, look all three of those guys that we named are interchangeable really in that starting lineup so it's a good issue to have uh, but what about you, Justin? Who do you think gets the, the starting small forward spot?
0: Yeah, I think Tory Craig will. Um, I think they've made a big emphasis on um, on defence. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the way they're swinging. Like I said, there's, you know, enough shots going around in the starting lineup there to, to have a defensive-minded guy. And I totally agree with you, Alex. Justin Holiday coming off the bench. He really struggled so, uh, portions of the year being a starter. Um he, he doesn't look pretty shot as much. He's not as confident. Uh, and you're actually dealing with a lot better defenders being in the starting lineup um, on you. So, um, yeah, look, it's unfortunate. I was devastated. Like, I messaged you guys straight away. I'm so sick of it. Like, obviously, we don't want to play TJ Warren healthy. Uh, uh, sorry, unhealthy paces have been known to maybe do that in the past a bit where Rush plays back. So I don't think they'll be doing that with TJ at all. But, it's just frustrating. You, you sit here. You really want to be optimistic and excited for the season starting in a month, but um, I, I don't really know how a Pacer fan can kind of sit here and, and say we've got better uh, from last season. Um, to me, the only upgrade's been the coach.
1: I think uh, we definitely haven't gotten better, and the keeping all five starters was a really interesting choice. It says to me that they put all of the blame on the coach and all of the blame on the coach's ability to be able to extract the best that he can from the players on the team. And that was clear, but I mean, I'm really shocked to hear that you think Tory Craig is going to start. The only reason I say that is because I don't think he's been put in that position before. This would be probably the biggest opportunity that he's received in terms of a starting lineup uh, spot to open a season. So that surprises me a little, I agree that Justin Holiday is better off the bench. Um, I'm interested to see what Rick Carlisle does because he tends to favor veterans and favor those guys that that he knows what he's going to get from them. So, you know, your Dorian Finney-Smiths and those guys from Dallas that have sort of been around for a while and been contributing for a while and, and aren't really names, but he knows what he's going to get. I I personally, if, if I had a choice, I would start O'Shea because of his ability to stretch the floor and his ability to rebound. Um, I think those two facets in his game uh, set him apart from Justin and from Torrey Craig. Uh, I think the ability of him to just hit a corner three is underrated. And I think this team could use that. Um, And the ability to rebound just takes a bit of pressure off Miles Turner, who, uh, that isn't sort of his superpower. That's not what he does well. So having a guy out there that gets a few boards is is going to be a really good thing for the starting lineup. I also think one of the big things that we talked about last season was that there was this sort of lackadaisical attitude about the team, and and there was a bit of a um, a culture problem. And I think O'Shea is probably the the breath of fresh air in terms of cultural fit. Um, that the starting lineup probably needs. He's, he's got that enthusiasm of being given an opportunity to make it in this league. And I think he showed that toward the end of the season. The only problem was that the team was already dead and buried by that point, culture-wise. So having a guy like that in the locker room, along with Rick Carlisle, I think is only going to strengthen the culture of the team. So I'm keen to see what he can do, given the opportunity. Um, in terms of Edmund Sumner, do you think it's just a simple... Uh, Justin, as Alex was saying, I um, Duarte just takes those minutes and, and gets the backup two minutes um, because the conundrum we have right now is Lamb or Duarte, and Lamb has one year left on his deal, ten million dollars expiring contract, tradable. Um, we're right up at the luxury tax line, so there has to be a internal conversation going on particularly given that Carlisle likes to play veterans about showcasing lamb and trying to get something for him before his contract expires.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, uh, the Pacers bench is incredibly weak right now. Incredibly. Um, you guys know I love him probably more than any Pacer fan. But when you're saying TJ McConnell is probably your best bench player, yeah, and that's that raises some alarm bells. Like, man, on a good championship team, he'd be your third string. Uh, if not, he'd be you know a, a solid bench player for us. We're we're probably looking for TJ McConnell to come on and get ten points, eight assists every game for us to have a good game. So um, that's another huge area of concern for me is the bench. Uh, obviously we lost Doug McDermott who, who had a great season and he would come on and, you know, hit them threes we needed really quickly. So, yeah, um, yeah it, a lot's going to fall onto the rookie there. So, you know, let's hope we we made the right draft pick. Uh, he looks kind of NBA ready in the summer league. I know you should always be careful about that, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm – the more and more I think about this season upcoming, the more and more I'm I'm getting really concerned. I, and I personally think uh, if, if we have another major injury in the first month of the season, uh, I don't see how you can't blow this team up now.
1: Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers... in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Yeah, I think it has to be a conversation, but then again, I mean, Rick Carlisle signed for, what, four years? So he's whatever whatever you're doing, he's not doing that to lose over the next four seasons. He's doing that to either have a down year and then go again next season or contend from day dot to be a playoff team from day one. So how do you not rebuild, but reload with the contracts you have with the salary cap you have and um, try and turn what you have now into an opportunity to be better next season or the season after um, which is kind of in the position that we were a couple of years ago when we um, lost Paul George, when we signed some short-term contracts. We signed Boyan at that stage and Darren Collison um, for $10 million deals, I think. So they were all f- f- team-friendly contracts, which is kind of the position that we're in right now. We've got uh, five team-friendly starting contracts. We've got some start, some friendly bench contracts in you know, Lamb making ten million. I think TJ McConnell's making nine million. So you've got some tradable pieces, Alex. And, and I think the the pathway to success for this team could be if it all goes wrong early, not a complete rebuild because we know that we, they won't do that. They're going to have to find a way to reload.
2: Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm with you. But you know, the only concern there is that all of the tradable pieces the Pacers have. Practically injury prone, right? Yeah, I, I would argue outside of Sabonis, who even he missed the bubble last year. So there's not really a player I look at on the roster and go, man, he's got a lot of value, and every team's going to want him because he's going to play 82 games and he's, you know, he's got no injury history. We don't really have that, so that that's the biggest concern. And you know, there was those rumors about Ben Simmons. I know Justin, you hate those, but um, but that's the type of thing I could see the Pacers doing, like a, a move. Where not, not to blow it up and tank, but to blow it up in the sense where you move on from this starting lineup and try to bring in fresh blood. So, I mean, yeah, as you said, Adam, they didn't bring in Rick Carlisle to lose. We know for the next four years they're going to want to compete. Uh, hopefully that means more than a first round for, for our sake. But, yeah, it, it's tough because, you know, Warren's got, what, one year left and then most of the other guys have two and most of the other guys are injury-prone. So, yeah, it's, it's tough to see where they go from here.
1: It's a little concerning to know what will happen over the next, you know, one to two seasons. I think the other thing is cultural fit and what the team wants to build. I mean, you look at three years ago, we had guys like Oladipo and Corey Joseph and TJ McConnell that were all, you know, scrapping and clawing and fighting for loose balls. Whereas it feels like now it's less that, that philosophy and the team definitely wants to build that philosophy. So how do you go out and get, Players that complement the way that you want to play, the way that Carlisle wants to play. I want to talk about uh, what Rick Carlisle said about style of play on the sideline, guys. Uh, it sounds like he wants it to start with defense, and he wants to run in transition. That's that's what I got from what he was saying. He said defense to offense is the way that he wants to play. He wants to play quick on the offensive side, but he wants to get those opportunities from playing good D. So. That's, I think, a little bit different to the style the Pacers have played previously, which has been a defense-centric side, but it hasn't had the transition Um, as a result of that. I think it's been slow and methodical and half-court and, you know, biding your time and taking opportunities. Whereas, Justin, I don't know whether you got the same thing, but I got the impression that Rick wants to emphasize defense, but he wants that to turn into quick offense.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think my biggest takeaway from the Carlisle interview was, Kind of if you read between the lines, I kind of like try to do that because obviously the coaches are usually mundane. They don't give you too much in the interviews. But from what I kind of guessed is a lot of the players didn't enjoy going to practice or playing games last year. Um, and Carlisle said we, we need players to come to practice who know the coaching staff are there to improve their game who the, Who we all want to be there, and we're all fighting for the same cause. So I think that was a little, you know, he met with players um in the last few months and so on, had a chat to him. So I'm assuming here that the player said, "Look, well, I didn't even enjoy playing last year. No one was yeah. for, for each other." And I mean, we could, you can could kind of see that from afar as a fan. So. You know, Carlisle said we're going to take it step by step. I don't think he's putting any labels on this season. Like, oh yeah, we sh- we want to make we should make the playoffs or whatnot. It's I think there was a lot a lot of issues last year that they've got to reset. Um, And this team's got a long way to go. I- I'm usually overly positive about the paces. I, I usually think you know we- oh we can make the top eight. We we could fight for home court, but yeah, like I said, this year you know even after listening to Carlisle, he. It doesn't give you that confidence that Frank Vogel used to give you, where he, you know, you'd run through a wall for him and you'd be like, oh my God, you know, Pacers to win the championship. Um, this is a very different style of coach. And, you know, Carlisle's probably right, but I, I just think there's a lot of issues with this uh, team. Skeletons from
1: last year, might we say, that that need to be fixed. There seems to be a bit of a cycle of Pacers' teams over the last 20 years where um, something. Not, ca- not necessarily catastrophic, but some bad stuff happens and there are skeletons and we have to rebuild the culture again. We're fun. There's a little expectation. Then when the expectation comes on, the heat comes on, we can't meet that expectation. It creates a toxic environment. I mean, we saw it with the brawl. We then saw it with the Granger trade and the fallout from the relationship between Paul George and Roy Hibbert and those guys on the team deteriorated after that. And now we've seen it again with the and higher and the, you know, I guess, lack of relationship between teammates. So I think the, the, the cycle of cultural deficiency on the paces is sort of consistent over the last 20 years. And it's happened now three times that you can think of where this team's gone from promising to all of a sudden falling in a heap mentally and, and chemistry wise. And that's really worrying. I mean, I think we we spoke about it with the boomers in the Olympics. All we want is for this team to compete, play hard, play enjoy playing together and, and you know, go towards a common goal because I think any team that has that can, can uh, succeed. We also want them to take risks in the roster. We want to see, you know, superstars. We want to see them swing for the fences in the draft or in free agency, or, you know, it's going to have to be by trade, let's be honest. But I mean, it seems to be a pretty consistent method of, trying to sort of build from the middle and get as much out of these players as possible, but then being surprised when it doesn't work out. And and Alex, this is, you know, three times it's probably not worked out.
2: Yeah, it seems like to me, the Carlisle hiring is very like in the middle. They're trying to find a middle ground between what McMillan was, who was, you know, the sergeant type figure, took no crap from anyone, yeah. was very rigid in his ways. And then you had Bjorken, who let let anyone do whatever they want and just had no kind of coherent system, right? So they overcorrected. Like, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they overcorrected with the the Nate Bjorken hiring. So to me, this is KP kind of saying, "All right, well, let's not go back to what Nate McMillan was, but let's try to pull back from from that all offense Bjorken style and let's try to find a middle ground." And I think Carlisle will be able to find that. It does suck, obviously that. Warren's is not going to be there opening night so we can see what it's going to be like. But, you know, once all five guys are on the court, hopefully we can get something that's uh, exciting again, like that 2018 season.
1: Definitely. I mean, that's that's the hope. The hope is that you we enjoy rooting for this team, that this team enjoy playing together. They play the right way. They play hard um, questioning effort on a paces team was not something that we'd done on this show before the, the first couple of seasons that we covered the team. I think it started to seep in a little bit in the bubble. Um, and we started to, to see some examples of where it wasn't really going well chemistry wise. And then last year it just blew up. It, it was, you know, a powder keg that unfortunately Nate Bjorkman was, was the spark that lit the flame. But, um, it, it really seems like the days of, four guys running over to Corey Joseph to pick him up uh, were long gone. And Justin, that's, I mean, look, we can talk about how much we want the paces to fight for a championship as much as we want, but we want that to be our identity. We want a together, a tough, a hard-working team. Do we not?
0: We do. And it's funny you mentioned that. I, I was literally just watching uh paces versus Miami 2004 semifinals finals um, because I've got no life, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that it was so good. Like Al Harrington, Jermaine O'Neill, Ron Artest, Reggie Miller, Jamal Tinsley, like Jeff Foster, like that team was a unit. Uh, I know I'm going back a while here, but like uh, I think we've mentioned it before. But 21 years I've been a Pacer fan, and the last two seasons have been the worst for me to sit through, as Alex mentioned, uh, in the bubble. In the playoffs, it's a chore. It's a chore to wake up. Us Aussies sometimes have to get up at four am, six am. Sometimes we've got work commitments, and we're we're trying to find out and watch it. We're not just getting at home at seven pm and just having it on while dinner. You know, having the game on while dinner, you're having dinner. It's it's totally different for us Australians. We have to put the time and effort to be a one hard supporter. And when the team's not going well. That's fine. You know, we can deal with hard points, but the effort, like you mentioned, Adam, and it it was just deplorable. And unfortunately, like, again, I'm not that confident in this season. I'll watch every game. I'm a Pacers fan until I die. But um, yeah, I I need to see a change. I don't know if it's going to be a one-player thing, which, you know, Oladipo came into the franchise and turned around the franchise really quick. I I felt like Paul George was a bit negative towards the end. He, He was negative on the team. And Oladipo was so positive, and he was great. I love watching Pacers. Now, I think we need that... We need that again. Uh, whether that can be Lavert, who knows? Um, maybe T.J. Warren when he gets back. But um, as I mentioned on Twitter a few or months or so ago, and it got a lot of hits, is um, I believe the only player who fights for the Indiana jersey is Miles Turner, who wants to be a pacer, who wants yeah. you know really wants it, and um, that's really frustrating. So yeah, that, that's my big take as a pacer fan.
1: I think the the team assumes the personality of its leader or leaders and gets back to the question that we've asked, which is who are the leaders, who are the best players on the team? Domas has made the most all-star games, but I mean, his, his personality doesn't lend itself to what you just said there. He's not a, you know, in your face, wants to bleed for the Jersey, wants to bleed for the city type player. He, he wants to, plays game. He wants the game to come to him. He wants to make his shots in the way that he he plays the game and and score within the flow, pass, rebound. He's a great player, but he doesn't command the, the respect of the city in the way that he fights for the team, in the way that he fights for every possession. And some players just aren't built like that. I mean you know, if you told me tomorrow that Indiana traded for a Marcus Smart, if you told me that they traded for a guy that even if they aren't the best player on the team that would fight for every single loose ball and go right to the line of competitiveness, then I would be all in. Be like, great. This is a guy that I want to root for. This is a guy that I want to support over the next number of years because they will try every single time. That's why people love Westbrook so much wherever he goes because it doesn't matter. Yeah. He takes 30 shots, 40 shots, but he tries on every single possession. He goes 110% every single time. And, and that, that, that's why we love
0: TJ McConnell, isn't it? Yeah, yep. That's right.
1: That's right. He, it's-
0: he, he, he plays harder than most players. And I'll just quickly add Adam you know, you're talking about leadership. Now I will make notes. We've been pretty harsh on him. You would have heard it on the sideline podcast that that Brogdon was the one to actually hook up that LA uh, basketball tournament with a few paces. So good on Malcolm. Obviously maybe he's listening to Pritchard without leadership and uh, maybe taking note there. So I just wanted to give him a bit of a shout out.
1: Yeah. And that's perfect. I mean, that's the, that's the change in behavior that we need from our leaders. We need them to bring the team together. Um, I, we need them to like each other a little bit. Not they don't have to hang out together all the time. They don't have to be best friends, but they have to like playing together and like each other as people. I mean, it. Look, I, I know that this might be hot takey. This this is probably a first take sort of a statement, but I, I didn't see any paces at Domas Sabonis's wedding. I, I didn't. I didn't see one player and. I don't know whether it's covid restrictions I don't know whether it just didn't line up in terms of timeline but it, it just doesn't look great I, I, there might be a really good explanation for it I haven't heard one I haven't heard the question asked cuz it's a little bit of a taboo topic but I, I just you see all these players in LA I don't know if Domas was one of the guys that was in LA I don't think he was and then you see him getting married and you you know you don't really see any any teammates there and he's been in the team for three or four years, and it's like, what what friends have you made over that time? And once again, there could be a really good explanation for it, but I, from the outside looking in, Alex, it kind of it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to play for a team for four years and then not have one of those players that you played with in that team at your wedding.
2: I think his best mates in uh, Miami, to be fair.
1: Yeah. Yep. That might be uh, that might be a part of it, but yeah, you know, it's it's the
2: little things. I remember Justin, you brought it up. Remember that time on his Instagram story where he had like mm-hmm. the Pacers game in like two rooms across, and I think he was watching college or something. It Gonzaga. It it, it's, it, it's stupid stuff. Like it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day, but it's the little things that you notice, right? Like the little things that go towards uh, uh, building a team culture, like the Boomers, as you said. So yeah, I don't really think. You know that leader, and it's funny because KP talked a lot about this offseason. season. He wanted to get like that Udonis, Udonis Haslam type player. You know, he talked about that, but just didn't really happen.
1: It didn't, and it's going to be interesting to see if if a move move is made early in the season to get that sort of a player in. Speaking of players that could be moving into the team, the team applied for a disabled player exception. And there was talk online that it could be to sign our favorite guy, Lance Stephenson, Justin, I always go to you in these situations, but I mean, this is the guy, right? Like if you want to talk about chemistry, if you want to talk about a guy to bring into your locker room, bring everyone together, have fun, play hard, play with swagger. This is the guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've spoke about him so much on the podcast. and It's funny just listening to you there, Adam. You became more excited just talking about him. So, yeah. you know, fans want to see it. And you, you hear everything about Lance and what he's done lately. And he, all his interviews, he's talking about leadership. He wants to come in and be a leader to the young guys. He All his workouts for NBA teams are great. So unless there's something I don't know, again, you guys know I say this Probably every second podcast. I do not know why he's not on an NBA team. It makes zero sense to me. Um, and I think what my, my personal excitement level is even if he comes off the bench, fifteen minutes again, there you you want to tune in and see what's happening. He him, he's him and Tj McConnell. Yeah. Him and yeah.
2: Tj McConnell would be must watch TV.
0: Hundred percent. You imagine those two running the point, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, going nuts, Lance dancing, and you know Tj McConnell. That's what we need as Pacer fan. Even if it's not a successful season, just just uh, bring some light. Um, so, Kevin Pritchard, if you're listening, like just make the move. Like honestly, we we want to see some fun back in the Pacers team, and um, we probably need that veteran leader who knows the Pacers. He know he's played with Miles Turner. Um, he actually did quite well with Miles from what I remember. So, yep. uh, Miles loves him. Miles, Miles braves about him as a teammate. I'm pretty sure on a podcast, Miles has said his favorite teammate is Lance. So, um, yeah, I think it's a no brainer to be honest. It's, it's such a, me to me, it's a low risk, high will, reward getting him. Um, so yeah, I, you know, there's rumors online. I, I'm not too sure how in depth they are or how many sources that there is, but, um, I'd be pretty upset if Pacers just got some random player when Lance wants to come back.
1: Definitely. And on that note, we will come to you again next week. We've been the Paceroos. Bring Lance back.